I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And this is the psychedelic episode. Woo-hoo. Woo! The definition kind of shocked me, but we'll get to that. Oh. It did. It was kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, psychedelic, the theme this week. Um, the reason we went with that is uh, our movie is Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. From I put in 2016 because wasn't this movie done once before? No. It wasn't. Okay. That was my B. And we picked it to go with this. Well, we picked the theme after we saw, we picked our other stuff because the movie is trippy. It is. It's crazy. We'll talk we'll, about we'll it. We'll get into it. Um, the album is Eternally Even Jim J- from Jim James, the mm-hmm. My Morning Jacket front man. That's He's the front one. Man. And the beer of the week is Citradelic from New Belgium Brewing and mm. or New Belgium Brewing Company. We're not sure what it is. One of That's those it. two. But anyhow, this is a tangerine IPA. And the description is that citra hops and tangerine elevate each sip onto a plane of juicy tropical pleasure. Expand your palate with a citradelic experience. Mm. That totally fits what we got going on. And both of us, I think, have had this beer before. Oh, yes. I like it. And as, of course, the name, I mean, did you say that it's listed as right on the bottle as a tangerine IPA? Yep. Okay, you just said that. tangerine, which really is just an IPA with tangerine in it. Yeah, and this is like, I mean, like the Ranger IPA, I think from New Belgium, it's f- like, it is like the the baseline of what I expect from an IPA, IPA only this one is more citrusy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, it's good and hoppy, it's about 6% alcohol, so it's not too crazy. It's, it's a fucking beautiful smell. Yeah, it's it's really nice, it's good, it's oh, clean tasting, God. it's a filtered beer so you can see right through it, um, and it's really good, but I think if you stack this up to like world-class ipas it would fall way short in mm-hmm. taste um yeah. yeah the taste doesn't live up to the smell the smell is absolutely beautiful the smell is definitely ta- i mean you get the tangerines you straight feel up. like you're you're actually sniffing a bunch of tan- like it's it smells like fresh cut fruit almost it smells like shit no no it doesn't <laughs> <It's> like poop <laughs> no it smells good no it smells no, good this is good but i agree with you the taste doesn't quite live up to the the smell but still mm-hmm I'm a fan. I like New Belgium. I like their beers. Yeah. They're kind stuff. of like the um, one of the meccas of the craft beer world, I would say. Because they were doing it like long before. Well, I don't want to say like long before, but they were, I should say, bigger before the craft brew movement kind of picked up. Right. And you can get their beer pretty much anywhere. Yep. So. I remember I was at a concert seeing Rustic Root 
at the Oshkosh like fair or what is that Waterfest okay, in Oshkosh, yeah, yeah. which is at there. They have like a little pavilion that they have concerts at. But I was super pumped because like normally you go to like a concert in Oshkosh, not not trying to knock Oshkosh, but it's usually like Miller Light, Bud Light, and they had um, New Belgium beer there. Probably Fat Tire. And I was yeah, they had Fat Tire and did. Ranger, and I was like, that's super cool. Mm-hmm. When I was at Dead and Company this this um, this last summer. Some of the craft beer they had was like 24-ounce cans of, or like maybe 16-ounce cans of Fat Tire and Ranger IPA and some Lakefront Brewery out of Milwaukee, stuff like that. So it's way easier to find good beer now. Pretty much any place you go was going to, I mean, we said Fat Tire. That's like a standard. That's like the Budweiser of craft beers. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Around here, at least. Maybe that's not true. Maybe that would go to Spotted Cow. Yeah. Yeah, because you can get Spotted Cow in, like, any gas station. Where we are in Wisconsin. Yeah. Which, if you're not in Wisconsin, you've probably never even heard of it, and you're like, what is this? You're like, what is Spotted Cow? It's What's beer. A, it's a beer that... Everybody drinks in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, and it's not... I, I'm going to go on a limb here and say it's not, like, super good. Yeah, it's fine. But it's, like, everyone that's not from Wisconsin wants some. It's like a like, real lager. Yeah. Like, if a... Yeah. Like, a made seriously with, made lager. Not made with corn or rice. You know, yeah, it's good, but it's not like I've heard stories oh of God. people spending hundreds of dollars for like a case of it out of country or out of state, and it's like mm, probably don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, you can buy like a case of it, and like right at the border, it's well, it's right at the border, it's jacked up because they know people are shipping it over. But you can buy like a, a case of a Budweiser in like Madison, yeah. which is like maybe sixty minutes from the border for like twenty bucks, literally. But you can buy spotted cow and like bring it to your home if you live in a different state but technically it's illegal to buy it and then resell it yeah. in a different state like there was a bar in minneapolis i think it was just last year they got dinged in new york for, yep for having spotted cow on tap and it's like no no yeah it's not your yeah which like if you're like an establishment like i think i feel like you'd know that maybe or do you just so like so much of a pirate that you're like I gotta break the rules, gotta serve this beer, gotta serve this technically illegal beer? But no, you can sell it out in um, like for beer to beer enthusiasts out west and stuff like that for just insane prices. Yeah, so crazy, crazy stuff. But this is a good beer. I'm a I fan. like it. I'm a fan. I remember the first time I had it, it was about a year ago, and honestly, I thought it was gonna be a um, seasonal, and maybe it is. But honestly, I've never seen it not on the shelves <laughs> no, since I've I seen first it, saw yeah. it. Pretty consistently. Yeah. And I feel like this is a good um, pairing beer. Yeah? Like for a meal. I don't know what you'd pair it with. Ice I'm cream. Ice cream. I don't know, pairing. You scream ice cream. We all scream I know like cream. you're supposed to have red wine with red meat, but that even that's not always true. Like you can have like a Pinot Noir with salmon, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know a whole lot about that. It's a, that's, a, that's a different world. Yeah. But. I like wine, but I can never drink it. Because my wife doesn't drink alcohol, like, ever. So whenever I buy wine, I, like, inevitably end up drinking the entire bottle in right. one sitting. And it's like, well, now I'm drunk, and it's <laughs> Monday night. <laughs> and it's Monday at 2 in the afternoon. Great. Why am I drinking at Why work? I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's never happened, and I would never do Well, that. no, that's true. And, like, um, the, the thing I've run into is I, I drink basically two types of wine, uh, mm-hmm. Petite Syrah and then also Barolo. Those are the only two types I really have found that I like. Pinot Noir is the only type of wine that I like. And everyone's got their one yeah. thing. But the thing is, my wife's a, like a white wine person. She's so a wino. She's a wino. Just a homeless woman. Homeless, yeah. <laughs> Drinking wine 
I'm kidding. No, she's <laughs> highly productive. But she's wonderful. Um, but yeah, so then it's a it's a preference thing. Yeah, different world. I wonder if we'll ever do an episode with wine, or we just stick. Well, with beer. when we get to our fiftieth, maybe we can bust out. We can get a box of wine. <laughs> do a space bag challenge. Because we kind of talked about maybe this is preemptive. No, we well we this is going to take some planning. Okay. So do we want to talk about it? Well, what we're going to do is, because this is our 41st. This is our 40th, I think. 40th episode. Yeah. So for our 50th, the golden, what we're going to do is we're going to do kind of like a long episode, but we're going to have guests and we're actually going to probably record it on a, I'd think on a Saturday. Sure. And we'll just get really, really drunk and do (laughs) Well, you know, reasonably. Reasonably and just So we can speak and hit stop when we record. Yeah, and we'll have a third, somehow a third microphone. Logistically, I'm figuring that out. And we'll probably come up with some structure for stuff to talk about. Yeah, Maybe yeah. do some kind of list where... Or do like a double um, double movie, double... We'll, we're, we're working it out. It's a, it's an early concept, uh, but we might do it live on like Periscope. Maybe put it live Google out on or something. or Facebook Live even. Yeah, we could just put a, put a camera or something or a cell phone, launch it up in the the corner and yeah. do that but sweet yeah that's what we're gonna do for our 50th mm-hmm. Not, it's gonna be at least 10 weeks away probably more because yeah. we actually haven't taken a week off in a while and i don't think we're going to anytime soon <laughs> no i mean holidays around that time like, yeah. but i don't think most most of them are kind of like weekend it seems like yeah if i remember correctly um, so on to our uh, definition of our theme, psychedelic. Uh, it's an adjective um, relating to or denoting drugs, especially LSD, that produce hallucinations and apparent expansion of consciousness. Interesting. And also a noun, a psychedelic drug. So what does psychedelic mean to you? Well, I guess I was kind of surprised when I first read the definition, too, because I guess the origin of the word does have to do with the whole drug thing in the 60s and the 50s and all that. But I guess when I think of psychedelic, I don't necessarily think of drugs because this probably isn't a shocker. I'm not real into drugs, nor have I really been in my past. Um, So I haven't really experienced, quote-unquote, hallucinations or anything like that. So when I think of psychedelic, I'm really into a lot of psychedelic rock music. I'm into a lot of the culture from the 60s, like studying it, the clothes, the music, um, some of the political stuff like that. But um, So I guess what I first think of is like, just bright colors and patterns and stuff kind of um, stemming from the music. And when I think of psychedelic music, which we'll we'll talk about later today, um, you know, I think of guitar solos and keyboards and kind of a fuzzy thing going on. So I guess when I think of psychedelic, I kind of think of something that's bright and colorful, but nondescript, you know what I mean? Something that's always changing, something that's never quite static, Um, so that's what I think of. I've never really thought of it in the drug sense, but I suppose it's absolutely related to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what about you? Well, I had, um, I did the same as you. I did colors. I had mind mind and consciousness. Like I thought that's what I always thought. And um, the last one I had was this, the 60s, 60s, 70s. I kind of think of that in that, that era. But yeah, when I read that, I looked at the script just this morning because I think you had uploaded this last night. Mm-hmm. And... I was really surprised that psychedelic, it's not like, I know that it says an apparent expansion of consciousness, but even still for me, it's more of like a mindset. I think it would be fun to, and we're not going to do this right now, just because it would probably be frustrating and time consuming, but it would be fun to look up, you know, the the prefix and suffix for the word psych, obviously being related in the mind in some capacity and psychology or psychosis or whatever. 
but I wonder what the the suffix delic. I, I mean that that's interesting to me. I guess I've never really thought of that as 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 a, as a suffix, but um, you know, it would be interesting to see sort of the origins of, of those type of things and maybe get an idea on how that's related to the whole drug thing, which is being specifically referenced right in the definition. And this is a word where there's only two definitions. Yeah. One of them having to do with the effects and one of them just saying a drug. I mean, that's crazy. And I just looked up the um, suffix of delic. It's of attitudes or activities relating to a given type of experience of Greek origin. There you go. So that makes sense then. Yeah. So like mind experience. Mind, yeah. Which uh, that's what I always thought so... But to lead in the day, and I don't know how they do definitions, like what goes first, but to me it would be more of like a mindset thing. Yeah. Like your brain is going to this different dimension, and I guess you could get there with drugs, but you could also get there through like meditation, and right. or I know there's that floating therapy thing that you do, that they do now, and there's a bunch of different stuff out there. Right. Even like acupuncture. Right. So, yeah, psychedelic, interesting word, another interesting word. Um, so onto our high priority uh, general news items. Kind of gets thrown in the general bucket, but um, Stranger Things, huge uh, huge hit on Netflix, has casted Sean Aston mm-hmm. um, from the Goonies, of and Lord course, of and Rings. Lord of the Rings. Uh, Paul Paul Reiser from Mad About You Is and Riser. Riser wasn't that dude also in Aliens? Yeah, he was the jerk company mm-hmm. guy. Okay, continue. But yeah, two blasts from the past. Um, from the 80s, and then a, uh, a newer edition, Linnea Berthelison, Berth, hmm. uh, but yeah, for season two. But uh, Sean Astin and, and Paul Reiser, they're two kind of, if, if you're talking about actors that fit into that 1980s nostalgia that they're kind of going for on that show, um, those are two guys you probably want to cast. I wonder if Sean Astin will be playing Mikey from the Goonies. Like, what if it's the same character? And he comes back. Yeah. Or it's happening then. Yeah. Or he, wait. You know, like he's all old and stuff now. So what if he was like, when I was a kid, we went looking for pirate ships. I don't know why I said it like that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> when I was a boy. <laughs> no, I was we last in Maine. Because doesn't the Goonies take place in Maine? Why do I want to say Maine? No, Washington. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Washington. I don't recall the Where location. Does, have you watched... Um. I've seen two episodes. My wife's seen the whole thing the whole time I was listening to music, though. Oh. Well, that's not helpful at all. Um, well, let's see here. Oregon. That's where the Goonies takes place. And then Stranger Things. Yeah, I, have no, I haven't watched any of it. I know, I know. People are, just love it. And I've, I've just been too obsessed with Mad Men um, to watch, like, anything else but Mad Men and, like, X-Men movies, which I'm almost caught up with. And, of course, going to see movies in the theater. Uh, it's set on Long Island. So the opposite side of the country. Opposite side of the country. <laughs> so maybe they caught a flight. Maybe Mikey caught a flight. Mikey caught a flight back to hey, good, yo, old, Mikey. good old Island Long. Hey, yo, Mikey, you have to go to the bathroom. Go to the bathroom. <laughs> I love that movie. Dude, what if they got Corey Feldman to be in it? That guy's a loony. I <laughs> yeah. love him. He's so that, then it, that, that's like a, that's kind of over the top, you know? I'd watch it. And you're pouring a beer out and it goes up and up and up and that's just phew, overflow. I'd watch it. I would too. Um, but yeah, season two for you, uh, Stranger Things Junkies is in production, slated for a 2017 release, and uh, the new season will pick up roughly one year from when the original nine episodes occurred. Oh. Ooh, yes, indeed. Um, the other uh, general news items is that Wu-Tang fans can rejoice because Martin Sh- Scraley mm-hmm. uh, will officially release via streaming 
uh, once upon a time in Shaolin um, due to the recent presidential election results. Um, Shukeli, um, who's a very shady character, if you want to look him up on Wikipedia, uh, he previously had purchased the album for $2 million via private auction. Uh, however, he announced on his YouTube page today that he's going to be releasing it to the general public. Well, because, yeah, and if nobody knows about this album, they've recorded the Wu-Tang Clan, legendary hip-hop group. Yep. Um, they recorded this album in secret sometime within the last decade. I don't really know exactly the story, but it was originally an art installation where it was never going to be released to the public, but you had to go to a certain location in New York. I don't remember where it was, in New York City, and you could sit and listen to it once, and it was for, for sale. And like Nate just said, it was up for uh, they, that uh, Martin Screlly bought it for two million. But he said on either on Twitter or on another YouTube video sometime in the last six months that if Donald Trump was elected, he would release it. So now he's gonna. And so now he apparently is holding to his word because I was reading earlier that um, at least some of the songs had been streamed. Mm. Um, not from what I understand, maybe not the whole thing. So I'm kind of hoping because I like Wu Tang Clan, but to be honest. Like the last album they released, I wasn't. I didn't think it was very good. I wasn't too jazzed about. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's kind of an interesting little bit of news. You know? Yeah. Interesting. We'll see. Maybe it'll. I don't know if it'll be on Apple Music or what, but yeah. Stay tuned. So when we come back, we're gonna do our movie of the week and all the other great stuff that goes the movie of the week, like by the numbers, and there can only be one. There can be only one. There can be only I always. I think that's the name of it. Is that you say it wrong and then I correct you? That's that's what it is. <laughs> Um, but in the break, you will hear, um, our, the trailer for Dr. Strange. Probably Benedict Cumberbatch talking like this. Yeah, I can't even go it. I am a doctor. I am am a doctor. doctor. My hands are shaking, so I need to learn magic. Magic. (laughs) So, I have no idea. Him talking, explosions, magic sounds. Magic, magic sounds. Like the sounds of magic being... Conjured, conjured from other dimensions, if you will. Whoa, no. <laughs> All right. So Weekly Nurse will be right back. Enjoy the trailer in the break. Doctor Strange, you think you know how the world works? What if I told you the reality you know is one of many? This doesn't make any sense. Not everything does. Not everything has to. Through the mystic arts, we harness energy and shape reality. We travel great distances in an instant. I get from here to there. How did you become a doctor? Study and practice. Here's the bit. There's a strength to him. But is he ready? <laughs> All right. Welcome back into Weekly Neurosomnate. I'm Ethan. Welcome to the second segment movie of the week. This week it's Doctor Strange, not the 2016 edition, the one and only. Um, well, it is the 2016 edition. Yeah. Well, there'll be another one down the road probably. Oh. Um, so the plot is that Dr. Stephen Stranges, who's played Strange, who's played by uh, Benedict Cumberbath, his life changes after a car accident robs him of the use of his hands. When traditional medicine fails him, he looks for healing and hope in a mysterious enclave. 
He quickly learns that the Enclave is at the front line of a battle against unseen dark forces bent on destroying reality. Before long, Strange is forced to choose between his life of fortune and status or leave it all behind to defend a world as the most powerful sorcerer in existence. The cast is Benedict Cumberbath. Oh, man. Chit. Batch. Cumberbatch. Chit. I already started reading this. Chitway. Chiwetel Ejiofor. 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 Uh, Rachel McAdams, Benedict Wong, Mads... Mads Mickelson. Mickelson. And, oh, man, I always get the words. Title... Tilda. Tilda Swift... Swinton. Swinton, who's a handsome woman. And Michael Stuhlberg. And Michael Stuhlberg. Thank you, Ethan. I got you. Um, The crew, it's directed by um, Scott Derrickson. No, everything's going to be messed up. Written by um, Just take your time. It's Spates. Spates. Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. I got to take my time to. No, I'm not making fun of you. C. Robert Cargill used to be on a podcast and website I used to listen to. He was a movie reviewer for years. Mm-hmm. He wrote the Sinister movie scripts and now he wrote a wow. Marvel movie. So I kind of got a connection with this dude. He's a great, great, very smart guy. Glad to see his name. Good on job. a very, very major motion picture. Continue. And the music by Michael Giacchino. Giacchino and cinematography by Ben Davis. The filming location, the film was done in many locations. Uh, Nepal, Oxford, uh, different locations in the UK and New York City were all used at some point during the shoot. Um, and notes, actors who were considered for the role of the Ancient One are Morgan Freeman, Ken Wat- Watamabe? What? Watanabe. Watanabe and Billy Knight. Bill Knight. Who's that? He, have you ever seen like the first Underworld movie? Have you ever seen Pirate Radio? I know who you're talking about. It's like an older dude. Um, And this is the second movie in the Marvel Cinematography Universe, phase three and 14th overall movie in the franchise. You did it. Did it. That was rough. It was pretty rough. So, um, Ethan, what what did you think about this film? Okay, well, this is our second, right? Our the second Marvel movie that we've reviewed. Yes, because we did Civil War previously, <clears throat> which was great. Um, so this movie here, I really, really liked. Um, I think Marvel is sort of continuing to make awesome movies, and I was pretty excited for this, yeah. uh, just because I you know, they've set a, a pretty good standard for themselves. Um, and I pre I appreciate this movie in a couple of different ways. One that I think, while they're not taking the series in a like a brave or crazy direction, one of the things you hear critic in myself, I criticize Marvel for this. They don't take a lot of risks, and while this movie doesn't necessarily do anything crazy, what we are seeing here, like the concept, this whole setting of interdimensional stuff and magic, it's different for this series. Um, so I kind of respected that they're taking a somewhat more obscure character and sort of taking a gamble on making this huge movie. Yeah. Um, and I thought it worked really well, man, cause I thought this was super entertaining. I thought it was visually a masterpiece. I mean, just a visual is astounding to look at and, uh, pretty much everything else after that was, was pretty not top notch as well from the acting to the story, which again, wasn't like crazy different but it was good it was serviceable um but yeah overall i thought this was awesome yeah and i i a lot of the same things and i think for going in i was really excited at the same time it was it was a marvel movie and i was like well i'm really interested to see what they're going to do with this 
Um, but I think they kind of um, took it away from the traditional storyline. I know at least a lot of critis- criticism that I've seen online about this is, well, it's the same story of a guy who goes to a life-changing event and has to overcome this, this, and this to become a superhero. But I think it's a little bit different. I thought they went, like we have the theme of the show, psychedelic. This was way more out there than a traditional you know, mainline superhero movie. And I think for one of these types of films from the comic world to deal with magic, mm-hmm. you know, like legitimate magic, you can go right or wrong with that. But I thought that that was pretty risky, but I think they played it the right way. Casting was, I think, the big kicker and the reason that it really took a step forward. But visually, beyond stunning. I'm mad at myself that I didn't see it in 3D. Yes, and you I saw it in 3D. I did, and it was it was worth the extra dollar I paid. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. But um, yeah, this movie. Um, I think what Marvel does so well with all of their origin movies, and this is what their fourth one, well, fifth one, because they did Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, um, Thor, Ant Man, and Captain America, and now mm-hmm. Benedict, and now Benedict Cumberbatch, Doctor Strange. <laughs> so, so this is their six. It's all him. So this is their sixth origin movie, and really all of them. The I, the reason I think this movie works, I think of all of the the origin movies, this is my favorite one since Thor, the first Thor. Um, just because they do such a good job of like putting you through like a complete arc with the character Doctor Strange. Like he goes through a significant change between the beginning and end of this movie and they kind of guide you along the way. And, um, you know, yeah, like you, like, yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch is, is amazing in this and yeah. uh, he's a British fella and he's, he ditches the the British accent in this and he does it better than most Americans, which is crazy. But, um, he, I mean, he's just, he's great here and, um, really everybody is great. I thought Tilda Swinton is the ancient one was really good. She played it a little bit, uh, lighter than I thought. And I think in general, and I, sh- again, I should have expected this with Marvel. The whole movie was a little bit lighter than I expected, but at the same time, again, I said it before, I think this movie does a good job of taking us to a place we've never gone in this series before. Other than Guardians of the Galaxy, I think this is kind of the wackiest movie in the in the franchise so far. And it introduces like a whole, literally a whole nother dimension of stuff going on here. And uh, I, I, we, I don't think we can speak highly enough of the, of the visuals in this. Just stunning it's colors hard, and It's hard to everything. describe because they play, the characters use magic to alter their surround, the dimension they live in. And it's crazy. There's like these weird fractal effects. These cities are breaking apart, but they're in like this sideways reality. So nobody is being affected by it other than the people who, it's crazy. Yeah, and this doesn't ruin anything, but there's one scene where... Um, like the character breaks apart a road and you like see this car and you're like, that car is going to fly off the thing, but it just kind of goes and it's like, it's like a rotator belt of car and it's like, whoa. And it just, they do. And they toy with you so much on that. I know a lot of people after just the trailer came out, compared this to some of the dream sequences in inception. Yep. That was was where I was going. But this is that like on a bunch of drugs? Cause this is crazy. And this isn't just the cities folding into themselves thing. There's like, some other stuff where they go into these other dimensional worlds and stuff that's pretty bonkers and um the visuals and all of it absolutely top notch and it's not just that it's creative and incredible like the special effects themselves are amazing like they are flawless it is truly and again i saw this in 3d 
it is hypnotizing watching these action sequences and not even the action sequences, just some of the scenes where they're sort of walking through these different areas and stuff. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy to watch. Yeah. And that was sort of, to me, the peak elements of this movie were when we're getting really into that stuff in the story and the character of Dr. Strange is sort of the backbone of us being introduced to this, this, this crazier <laughs> concept. Yeah. No, totally. And I just, everything front to back. I thought the story, um, I agree with you, was a little bit light. I thought that the um, it flowed pretty well, though. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was really any time that it truly, 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 I felt like it was lagging and just kind of like, okay, let's something, let's happen here. Um, again, the, I like the the story arc that they covered with Doctor Strange um, as well, and kind of you, you get his backstory mm-hmm. well enough and concise enough. It wasn't like it was like super, super long, and drawn right. out. You get what you need from him. Just like with I, with Iron Man is the one I would relate the original like what two thousand eight Iron Man, the one mm-hmm. that kind of started this whole Marvel thing off. It was most similar to that in that we're sort of dropped in this dude's, for lack of a better term, in right before his midlife crisis. Mm-hmm. If anything, I mean, he's a little bit younger than that if you really want to measure it. But um, you know, we we don't get this kid growing up or anything. That's not what this is about. We see this dude who is a fully developed an adult who adult who is very confident, very sure of himself, and then gets put into a situation where his whole life is flipped upside down. And he moves from there and where, where he goes and where he ends up. It's done really well here, I thought so. And I agree with you absolutely about the pacing of this movie. I thought it was great. It ended on a nice mysterious thing where we're introduced to the villain and some of the different things were good, were, that are explained more throughout the movie. Um, and to me, it made sense. And this is, again, one of those Marvel characters. I, I don't read these comics. I don't know really anything about this dude. So, um, And I, 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 I was never lost once in this movie. And I think that's... A pretty good feat and i think that speaks highly about the writers for this movie that they were able to take something that is so crazy and make it make sense yeah which was hard i think the the, the big thing uh to me with this film is the difficulty of making it because they're dealing with an entirely new concept dr strange is not one of the more popular comic series um but just everything that they had going and then the fact that they took all these things that they were up against and converted it in, into what i consider to be a pretty good film I think that's pretty incredible that they were able to get that done. Absolutely. But um, so I think it sounds sort of like you agree with me that I don't think this is a complaint. I think if you get into the heart of people arguing whether DC or Marvel movies are better, um, one thing you'll see a lot is that Marvel uses too much humor. And there is a surprising amount of humor in it that comes at moments I wasn't quite expecting. And I was laughing um, but it does, it just sort of puts an effect over the whole movie that makes it just a little, there's just a little bit less at stake. And it's not really a negative. It just makes this movie seem a little bit lighter than I think it normally would appear. And I don't know if that's, I mean, it's almost, I'd almost like to live in an alternate reality where we see this movie without humor, just to see how it works. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I mean, it, it, it makes it a little more, I, I agree with you. It makes it a lot more lighthearted. They don't have to exactly exist as like a serious film because mm-hmm. it's not. And that that's the thing is you can attract people in and draw more a wider audience that way. But, yeah, I mean, and, and I don't know that this film would have had anything taken away from it right. if it didn't have humor. But then again, you need a, just a teeny little bit because I think people kind of expect that nowadays going into a, a superhero film. See, I wasn't expecting it at all with this movie. Based on the trailer, I thought it was going to be played absolutely straight. But like I said before, I should have known better. Yeah. All of these Marvel movies have a ton of humor in them. Yeah. 
and there it's it's mixed in. It's it is, I will say it is in its its own style. Like Doctor Strange is is very is a very dry character. His humor is very dry. Um, so that kind of fit, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't. You could probably edit it down and see what yeah. it looks like with no humor, because eh. it eh. comes it comes a big monster. Okay, but I do want to say my biggest negative with this movie, and this has me worried for the future, where we've talked about the music for Rogue One done by the guy who did this music here, Michael Giacchino. I hated the music in this movie. Hmm. I hated it, not because it was terrible or this or that, but it was. I want you to go and listen to his own score for the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies. And, in fact, the original Star Trek, the original series main fanfare. It is, this, the main Doctor Strange theme is almost identical to it. And it, every time I heard it during a big scene, I was like, are you joking me? He phoned this thing in and he, he put in some, like, weird strings or, or some, you know, uh, 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 some sort of piano in the background to give it sort of more of a Middle Eastern magic-y type vibe to it. But, um, man, I hated the music in this movie. Every time I heard it, I was like, oh, are we on the Enterprise now? I mean, it just totally, it was totally distracting to me. And I know that's not the biggest deal in the world and a lot of people won't notice it. But every time I heard the theme, I was like, this is Star Trek. And then to know that the same composer did the music for the more recent versions of Star Trek... Seemed a little bit lazy to me. Yeah. So I'm hoping he's not phoning in his Rogue One score because I'm already not super happy that he's the one doing it. Hmm. Ugh. Interesting. I didn't know I, the theme song. I, I don't study theme songs super in depth, but um, yeah. I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general is weak musically. I n- whistle one theme from any of the 14 Marvel movies. That's true. I couldn't. Now whistle one theme from Star Wars. Da, 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 da. Or no, wait. No, that was Indiana, Indiana Jones. Jones. Oh, I come on. I can't do the Star Wars theme. I can't think of it. Really? I remember it was a... Da, 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 da. There's like a... Da, 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 da. That's I Indiana can't... Jones. I can't think of it. There's like the the pace of it. I well, can't the even... point is I, I named Star Wars. In my mind, And I you can, came up I with another very relatable William or John Williams score. That's true. So it, none of these Marvel movies have scores that are memorable. And, and this was the first time I can remember where I was sitting there thinking, again, not a big deal. I wasn't like, this movie's garbage. It just bothered me that he, this score sounds like he's ripping himself off here. Yeah. It's, it seemed very lazy to me. Yeah. Can you just hum the Star Wars theme? No. Because in my mind, <laughs> I can hear it, but it's not getting to my mouth. I love watching you struggle, though. It, oh. Cause I can, and I can see like the script rolling. Yeah. Fucking hell. I didn't want to do it, but I had to. But so I mean that that was your biggest negative. I didn't really have a major negative. That was my biggest negative. Shit. I mean, yeah, I, a couple of nitpicky things. I, I but um, nothing that took yeah. took away from it. Really, even the music. I was just like, well, that's kind of irritating. But it's not like I was like. On Twitter, like, oh, hashtag boycott Doctor Strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, mine. I did. I was not wild about Tilda Swinton's. Really? Character. I just, I just a little for me, just a little too soft. And I don't know anything about the Ancient One. I don't know really anything about this storyline. But to me, it was like, eh. Well, there's actually a lot of controversy about her character because, excuse me, in the comics, the Ancient One is like uh, an older Asian gentleman. So there was controversy that they picked, you know, a British white woman. Um, I thought she was good. Yeah, I'm not saying her acting was bad. I just think that 
I don't know. It was just something about her storyline and the way they presented her that was yeah, just like there's a like, couple of what? twists with her characters that they never really fully explain. And that too. And I didn't want to mention that because it's hard for me. It would have been hard to explain without spoiling. But I think that's kind of what they were going for, kind of this mysterious character. And honestly, you just reminded me of another kind of qualm I had with this was the the character Rachel McAdams plays, plays a pretty big role in a couple of scenes, and they sort of just drop her. Yeah. (laughs) You like never, like you have this big dramatic scene with her kind of in the middle of the movie, and you just never see her again. And I was like, wait a minute, where was, because the last 10 minutes after sort of the, the climax, I was like... Okay, so Rachel McAdams will pop up any second now, right? Right? Nope. Nope, and, and not even happen. in the mid-credits sequence or the scene at the very, very, very end of the credits. She's yeah. just gone. I, and that felt to me like a little, like not an editing snafu, but I mean, they need to cut any movie down to size. And maybe yeah. they did. I mean, it just felt like that. Because I agree with you. She plays a pretty big role in terms of the storyline, and then it's just like... Yeah, again, it wasn't a huge thing because I'm sure we'll see her again. Yeah. A because it's Rachel McAdams, and B she was huge. She was a huge character in this movie. But I just kind of thought it was weird they didn't even. I mean, even the last time you see her, I mean, it's 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 kind of a like it's a it's a joke. You you kind of leave her character on a, on a laugh. So I guess it was a high point to leave off on. But yeah. I don't know. I kind of thought about that when I was driving home. I was like, what happened to Rachel McAdams? What happened? To-? <laughs> but anyhow, so what would you rate this though? One to ten. Well, man, it's, it sure sounds like I complained a lot, but I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10 because every all the negatives I did say, they weren't big, big deals. I mean, the, the music was the main thing that sort of irked me, but this movie was awesome, man. It was, it, was, it was visually unbelievable. I mean, maybe the best special effects I've seen all year. I can't think of anything more incredible than this. Acting was awesome. The story was fun. It introduces a, a great character into the, the future of Marvel movies. It was awesome. I loved it. Yeah. So what would you give I'm Doctor give it, Strange? Doctor Strange, 8.7. Oh. So I liked it a lot, too. Um, real just teeny tiny stuff, and then uh, Tilda Swinton. Just ah, didn't didn't work for me. I don't know. See it in 3D, folks. Yeah. It's worth it. It's I'm crazy in 3D. Probably going to go see the movie that we're going to see, dude, next week on Sunday, so then I can go see Doctor Strange on Tuesday. Again? Dizzle. Do. Dublé. Uh, that's one I want to see in 3D because there's yeah. some scenes that I was like, oh, when you text me and you're like, did you see it in 3D? I was like, bomb, beep, beep, beep. Well, because I saw I saw Civil War in 3D as well, and I mean that. Was, I mean, I never dislike 3D. I've, I'm, I'm never like, it was terrible. 3D was so terrible. No, <laughs> I'm not that kind of weird curmudgeon who thinks this amazing technology is somehow making my life more difficult. No, the 3D in Civil War was like cool. Mm-hmm. There it is, but it didn't add anything. And in this movie, it really, it makes some of the stuff pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's already pretty, pretty crazy, but it adds that extra dimension that I think really enhances some of the crazier scenes here. Yeah. I think it's funny that they're in the commercials, they're like, see it in 3D, the real D. I think even the one of the quotes they're showing in the trailer is like, one of the rare films worth seeing in 3D. I was like, <laughs> oh, man, what a ringing endorsement for the technology. Uh the real D. That's a dick joke. <laughs> All right. So that was movie of the week. Check it out. It's worth seeing. Not to mention Benedict Cumberbatch is just batch. He's a, batch. Did I say bath? You said bath again. Batch. Cumberbatch. He's Cumberbun. Hell, Benjamin Cumberbun. He's a hell of an actor. He's amazing. Hell of an actor. He's so versatile. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So we'll see him in the Oscars. Have we already? Was he already getting nominated? He was nominated for the 
adaptation game a couple years ago. He'll for win. Best actor. One of these. One of these mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. He'll be the next Leo. Yeah. He'll yeah. get nominated like fifty times. Although, I would argue that Gary Oldman has never won an Oscar, and he's like fifty something. Give that dude an Oscar. Hand it over. Give him. Give it. Give him that Oscar. Give him the Oscar. Just give it to him. Okay. (laughs) So on to our high priority news items. Now You See Me 3 is officially green-lighted. It's a go. Mm -hmm. So it's the magic, again, kind of in the magic realm. The Fast and Furious of action, or of magic movies. (laughs) And like it's... I, I don't know. I never understood it because it's like... I only saw the first one and I thought it was horrible. They're so like I never criminals, but they're magicians. Yeah, they're like and... robbers and con artists. And there's so many ridiculous twists that make no sense. It's one of those movies I just could not... I get it. Like, I get why people like them. It's they're, a Woody Harrelson joint. They're just turn... <laughs> they're just turn your brain off and enjoy type movies. But I just couldn't get past how ridiculous they are. And all the characters are like so cocky. I'm just like, shut up. Shut up. Yeah. Just be quiet. <laughs> but yeah, so the third one's ready to go, or they're writing it right now, uh, which is surprising to me because I thought the the second one didn't perform didn't do very so well. well. But <sighs> I think they just need a Jason Blumman. Jane Blum. <laughs> Jason Blumhouse. Blumhouse. JB. Blumhouse. JB. JB. Throw it on there. Make some money. Um, and the other one is that Middle Earth, the documentary about J.R.R. Tolkien... Um, is being made by the producers of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I love documentaries. I love Lord of the Rings. I read about this, and I was jacked. This seems like it's overdue. Yeah. I know there are documentaries kind of on the subject, but nothing, like, comprehensive. I know if you watch, like, the appendices on either The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings extended box sets, they go into a lot of um, Tolkien history, but... I did, like, a book report on Tolkien when I was, like, fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even then, some of the stuff I learned about that dude is, like, mind-blowing. The dude was, a like, he was a professor of linguists at Oxford. He, he had, like, this book club with these other authors before World War One, where they would, like, meet at this coffee club and, like, come up with all these short stories. Then he went to World War One, where, like, literally every person he knew died in the war. And then apparently when he was in the trenches, it was when he started kind of jotting short stories that would ultimately turn into Middle Earth stuff. The dude has a fascinating story. So yeah. I, I think this is, is is long overdue. Well, and I wonder how they're going to approach it because you could – I to me, this doesn't seem like a two-hour deal. Yeah. So I honestly with how – obviously Lord of the Rings and knowing Peter Jackson and his whole crew – I almost feel like this is going to have like a Ken Burns type feel where they just go like, because Ken Burns, when he makes documentaries, it's like 10 episodes. Yeah, it's 10 episodes and you do everything. You dig to the deepest, barest part of everything. I mean, I would like to see at least a three hour documentary, right? I mean, maybe like a three part. I think we're just spoiled with some of those things because I could see it working as a really solid, like, hour and a half, two hour long documentary. Well, because it depends on if it's like... What they want to get into. His life and how deep you want to get into every segment. I guess it depends on what they want to focus on. Do they want to focus on specifically his life and how that built into Lord of the Rings? Or do you want to focus on his writing and how his life influenced that? You know what I mean? Like how one influenced the other. Right. Because... 
pe- people forget that he wrote the Hobbit kind of on a whim as a kid story. And then when he, he wrote instantly started writing Lord of the Rings as a sequel to it. And it turned into this thousand plus page book that the publisher made him cut into three books. And, uh, he later on in life regretted that the Hobbit was a kid story. So all the, the appendices stuff in Lord of the Rings was sort of retconning some of the stuff he wrote in the, the dude was a, he was an absolute genius with this stuff. And, um, I just wonder how they're going to approach it. Yeah. It'll be interesting. Yeah. I like documentaries. And I hope they just call it Middle Earth. I think that's cool. That's yeah. Cool. It's a tight. I'll I'll pick that up on 4K. You're just looking at like old scanned photos <laughs> in 4K. This looks like shit. With like Morgan Freeman narrating it. I can't Back do Back in 1912, was... England. <laughs> I can't do a good Morgan Freeman. I, I got to work on that. Do you? So on to our By the Numbers segment where we go over the top five grossing films in the United States of America and the occasional flops that do occur in modern cinema. Weekly Neurosis will be... No, I'm just kidding. Um, Wait, I was like, what? <laughs> we're done. All right, number five this week, I'll just I'll just start off, um, was Inferno from Sony. It grossed a total of $6.1 million, uh, bringing its total gross to uh, 25... We'll just call it $26 million. Um, on a $75 million budget. Flop. Not doing good. <laughs> Not doing good. All right, so number four, falling out of the number one spot oh. after a two-week reign. It was Boo, a Medea Halloween, which made this weekend a not terrible $7.7 million, with so now a, a total of just under $65 million on a $20 million budget. So. Tyler Perry, making money. Whew. Kind of like a JB production right there. Not... Not too far away from a JBP. Number three was Hacksaw Ridge from Mel Gibson. Melly Goops. (laughs) Grossed a total of $15.1 million in its very first week. Um, And I can tell you this. I looked this up. I was astonished to learn this movie only had a $40 million budget. That's crazy. For a war movie. First of all, I've heard that this movie is incredible and that it's one of the top movies of the year. Second of all, Mel Gibson's awesome. He's a douchebag, but he's awesome. So I don't have a third. I just wanted to say second and third. Second and third. And this is the movie we're doing next week. All right. Yeah. So I got to go see that on Sunday. Yeah. And then three dizzle. People have said like the war scenes in Hacksaw Ridge are as good as stuff in Saving Private Ryan. I've heard that from multiple people. Hmm. Oh, I'm excited. And yeah, it's going to be a good one. Pumped. It's my turn. Okay, yeah. Number two, another new release this week, the children's film. Trolls, which made $46.5 million on its opening weekend on a $125 million budget. Yeah. Then they marketed the bejesus. There was no way they thought they were going to take number one from Disney, though. No. So I think they're pretty happy with the results. Yeah. And again, these kids' movies, we're going to see this puppy stick around in this top five, at least in the top ten for weeks yet, I guarantee it. But just like product injunctions and... Cross promotions, just everywhere you go, you see trolls stuff. I mean, even the th- our theater chain, Marcus, all of their stuff is trolls themed. All the cups and all that crap, it's all trolls themed. Yeah. So, and number one is our movie of the week, Doctor Strange, which it brought its total gross to, or had a total gross of $85 million. That's its total gross on a $165 million budget. Uh, in its very first week. And this is doing gangbusters overseas. Yeah, it had already made almost 90 the week before it opened in the U.S. So this thing is, 
as everybody predicted, Marvel has another massive hit on their hands. And the Hard to stay. Positive critics, uh, uh, reviews, and the positive word of mouth, we will probably see this one stick around for a while as well. Yeah. So that is our By the Numbers. So on to There Can Be Only One. There Can Be Only One. Booyah, I did it. <laughs> you did it right. Um, and l- last week... Oh, you got her. So last week, I we both predicted Doctor Strange, of course, because that was very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I predicted a measly seven, or sorry, $57.5 million. Ethan predicted $94.5 million. As we just said, the actual gross was $85 million. So point goes to Ethan. You won. Bringing this score to three to two. Yep. In the series. Uh, three to two is correct. Yep. So. so I'm pretty happy about it. I was, and again, we're not doing the overrule. We're not doing, we're just doing who's ever's closest, yeah, period. because otherwise it gets annoying. Otherwise we would, nobody would ever win. So, and I was off by just about 10 and you were off Which by Which is like, pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Because I don't think really anybody knew. Well, I mean, they had an idea it was going to be successful, but they didn't really know. Well, we had read pr- predictions after we made our predictions that it was going to make anywhere from as little as 50 to upwards of 90. And I was feeling good about it, so I went higher. But, okay, so so for next week, I get to guess again, right? And I think our major movie coming out next week is Arrival? Yep. Is that really the only one that would... Well, another heavily marketed movie is Billy Lynn's Long Time Halftime, Long Time Halftime, Long Halftime Halftime. Shot at 120 frames per second, by the way, in 3D and 4K cameras. That's a true thing. That's insane. That's insane. All my life shot that way. So, again, we don't do any research. We don't cheat. I'm going to guess here... I'm going to guess that Doctor Strange takes number one for the second week in a row. But I'm going to say in its second week that it tops the box office at, I'm going to say, 48 million. 48 million is what I'm saying. For Doctor Strange, number one next week. Boom. Yeah, this is a tough one. Because I don't know how Arrival's... I think Arrival will be, like, the highest new release, obviously. Yeah, exactly. But it's not, like... I don't think it's going to do huge numbers. And I don't even think that it is really going to cut into... I even think, like, Hacksaw Ridge is going to stick around for a bit. What's a war movie? And people love war movies. Well, exactly. But people like sci-fi as well. Yeah. So you said how much again? I said forty-eight million for Doctor Strange. It's tough. I'm gonna and I'm not trying to be a douche, but I was honestly oh, thinking shit. this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say Doctor Strange again at fifty. Fifty? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It'll be. I, I'm I'm honestly interested to see how Arrival does because it's it's been marketed. Well, not let's in look a, it up now. In a way, it's like the way they've been. Mar- I'm trying to say it is that um, like Arrival has been marketed in a way that's not like linear to what people are usually used to, where you see kind of a semi pieces of a storyline. 
Let's see here. Arrival will be releasing alongside Almost Christmas and Shut In and is expected to gross around 17 million. So I think we both had the sense that it's it's going to be hit more of a niche, sort of maybe an art house nerd market. I forgot about Shut In. That looked good. Yeah. That had the kid from Room in it, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Far out. But um, yeah, I think we're safe with Doctor Strange being number one. But you know what? I'm going to really make a bold prediction and say I come out number one because isn't it pretty rare that a movie doesn't drop at least 50% in a week? And if it only made 80-something, it's going to be closer to 40 than 50, I think. I, I could be totally wrong. Yeah, I don't know. And, I, and another thing, too, is this I, don't, lo- this- I don't know how much word of mouth... Because there, there's still kind of that reshot from word of mouth that people get. I know a lot of people at my where I work have been talking about it. And I also think that, I mean, this last weekend, even though Doctor Strange didn't break 100, you look at Trolls at number two with 46 million. I mean, this was a big weekend for the box office. Yeah. We haven't had a weekend this big in a long time. And like we both said, Trolls is going to stick around and Hacksaw Ridge. And now we have, I mean, according to the, uh, this numbers, Arrival will be at least number three next week. If mm-hmm. not number two, if Trolls really falls off. I think the battle with Arrival is going to be more eh, Hacksaw Ridge will drops. So I don't think they're going to really fight that. That's I think the real comment. question Nate, is if Shut In is a Blumhouse production. Oh. And it's not. Oh, it's going to just bomb. It's going to bomb. <laughs> Who cares? Nobody cares. Any Blumhouse production. <laughs> and this one, okay, for reference, Shut In is expected to make around $6 million. Okay. So a potential fifth That looked place. like a small budget film shot in one house from what I understand. Maybe yeah, a few outdoor scenes. Doesn't say what the budget is, but it was all filmed in Canada. Oh, and it's dirt cheap. Well, I mean, the shooting in Canada is really cheap. So is um, Atlanta. Yeah. Georgia is, there's all, that's, a, that's where Walking Dead is filmed. Fucking horrible TV show. <laughs> are, you, did you, are you still watching it? Did you quit? I'm not. I've, I quit. Ooh, Cold turkey. We'll just wait until you hear everybody saying, oh, did you see that amazing episode? Which, listen to this, and I'll just, I'll just share this now before we, before we cut to break, is that my wife and I were obviously um, looking for something to watch, and just the, other, just the other day, we said, well, let's watch The Office. Let's just rewatch the, the Office. Yeah, the U.S. version. Love it. And I was like, sure, that'd be awesome. So uh, we were just like, we had like maybe an hour. And in the first four episodes, on the first episode, um, Michael Scott all of a sudden's like, who am I? Hillary Rodham, or I call her Hillary Rodham Clinton. And then in like the third episode, he's like, who am I, Donald Trump? And it was like, what the f-? Like you could you try any sort of escapism and it just comes right back. That's crazy. I had something sort of like that happen too where... Just with this whole election, I'm just trying to forget about the damn thing and just kind of accept the world and move forward. But um, I had something sort of like that happen, too, where, um, oh, I've been listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Bloody Good Horror, who they've been around since 2008. And I've I mainly been listening to their newer stuff, but I've been listening to some of their stuff from 2008. And the episodes I'm on are from, like, June-ish, which is getting somewhat close to the 2008 election where if people don't remember when it was uh the the two potential democratic candidates back then were either going to be hillary clinton or um barack obama and i'm thinking i'm listening to this old podcast just don't have to think about this election stuff they start talking about hillary clinton and barack obama and i was just like i cannot escape (laughs) 
no, this election stuff. I just cannot get away from this. And it, it was just driving me absolutely insane. I skipped like half this episode because I was like, I just can't listen to this anymore. No uh, mas. No mas. No mas. Uh, but that is, um, that's our movie of the week um, by the numbers. And then there can be only one. That can be only one. Only one. Wait, deposit. In the jar glass. In the or jar. In the... Whatever that is. In the cap jar. <laughs> the cap jar. In the jar glass. All right. Weekly notices. When we come back, we're going to do our album of the week from Jim James. It, the album is Eternally Even. You're going to hear music from that album in the break. Hope you enjoy it. Weekly notice. We'll come back. I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And now it's time for Album of the Week. Boom. So our Album of the Week this week is done by Mr. Jim James, and the album title is Eternally Even. So a little background on Mr. Jim James. Uh, Jim James is an American musician best known as a primary member in the band My Morning Jacket. Excellent alternative rock band, if you've ever heard of him. Um, He's primarily the singer and guitarist for My Morning Jacket, but he's also known as a prolific songwriter. So this particular album, Eternal, Eternally Even, is the second full-length studio album from Jim James. It was released November 4th, 2016, so just last week. Uh, the sound on this album has been noted for its significant psychedelic sound, use of fuzzy production, and of course Jim James's unique vocal delivery, which if you've ever heard him, or if you have heard up to this point of our podcast, you've probably heard at least one song. Um, he has kind of a muted throaty voice it's very interesting very good voice Mm -hmm. so nate what did you think of eternally even well i really like this because um obviously with our theme being psychedelic i don't think this is necessarily psychedelic but it's it's really far out there but he kind of he did a really good job of kind of roping it in to make sense um i really loved what he did with like the different layers of songs um and using like you know, like if a radio scratch or whatever that sound is of using it and tuning it in a way that it was like a layer in the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I just loved how he did that. Um, and I, I personally, I, I kind of like his, his vocal delivery cause it is very different, but again, he makes it work with the songs. Um, but overall I, I had a pretty positive reaction to this. It was really short, 40, I think 41, 42 minutes, 41 minutes about, yeah. um, and only nine songs. So it was, it was a pretty quick, I got through it a couple times. Um, but overall pretty positive reaction. Yeah. I, I mean, I like it. I, I enjoyed it too. Maybe not quite as much as you, but I liked it. Um, for pretty much the same reasons, I think he does a good job of making all nine of the songs seem like this flows really well from song one to song nine with that fuzzy psychedelic song sound that sort of weaves in throughout the whole album. 
Um, so it definitely has that. And you're right, it's not really psychedelic rock. It's It, it actually, if you would just play this for me, detached of, of any context, I would probably just guess this is another, like maybe an older My Morning Jacket song, um, mainly because of his voice. But um, yeah, it's, it's a solid album. And uh, the elements I like most in it are like, there's a use of keyboard in some of the songs that's really distinct. And a couple of the songs build up to like really like awesome, almost epic kind of Pink Floydy type moments that I really enjoyed. Um, but my biggest issue with the whole album, and I listened to it like four or five times probably, was that there's really not, there, like none of these songs were that memorable to me. Like I wasn't humming anything. I've had like some of the melodies from the keyboards and certain songs playing, but I mean, looking at the song titles on here, I don't really remember any of the songs specifically. Yeah, and, and now that I think back on it, I, I agree with you that, that there's not, it really isn't memorable because I think he does kind of, he goes a little bit too far out of the norm, but there's nothing, I noticed he was devoid of like a beat, but it was very devoid of like melody and a lot of those things that make you remember a song. Um, I don't know if that was intentional or not though. Because it, it almost seemed a little too intentional, but... I think there's melody here. It's just that the songs are simple. Like, yeah. there's not a lot going on in them. Like, some of the whole songs, I feel like, even looking at the first song on here, Hide in Plain Sight, it only really has one or two ideas. And it's good. It's interesting. And it's well recorded. And I love the sounds and the solos. And again, that keyboard sound that pops up. Um, so A moment where I really remember the keyboard on here is in the second song, Same Old Lie where it really builds to, like, this awesome ending. Yeah. And that was, like, to me, one of the more memorable parts on the album. But overall, I mean, this isn't a, like, none of the songs are bad or anything. I just think it, this is a definitely an album where if I sit and listen to it, I'm sitting and listening to it front to back. I couldn't yeah. isolate anything on here. And I will say um, quickly that my favorite song on here was actually one where he doesn't sing, one of the... Instru the only instrumental on here is song number five, We Ain't Getting Any Younger Part One. It was actually my favorite song in the album because I thought it was sort of, it encapsulated all the best elements of the production and the rock and the use of keyboard and psychedelic sounds. And it, again, it builds and builds to this, the last two minutes of the song are like just sublime and it's like this Pink Floyd jam. I just, I loved it. I could listen to that over and over again. Yeah, I was actually in the same boat. That, that was one of the songs that really stuck out to me as well. Just because of that same thing, it kind of is this beautiful, almost like, I don't want to say it's like a grandiose ending, but it's like in its own way it is. There but, is something sort of grandiose about the whole album. And it's it's funny because if you listen to some old psychedelic rock from the 60s, if you, if you listen to a band like uh, 13th Floor Elevators or Spirit or even like like the first Pink Floyd album, a lot of that music is really interesting and experimental, but you can tell they were going for this big epic sound and very rarely do I think they actually achieved it. And while I don't think this album is like perfecting what those bands were doing or anything, it's sort of, it feels more epic. And I feel that more modern production techniques. The first thing I noticed when I played this album through my, my nice uh, headphones with enhanced bass and stuff was just how full the sound was. It just felt like being dropped in the middle of this thing where everything just sounded intentional and it was it was the the bass was robust um it was very loud, but even though it had that layer of that psychedelic fuzz over it, it wasn't drowning anything out too much mm -hmm. so I mean the album is like really masterfully put together. I just think for me, the biggest problem is there's really nothing 
That awesome. sticks out. Yeah. yeah I agree with you. And there's nothing that I, I couldn't, I, if you were to ask me probably a week from now, can you name one song? I wouldn't be able to. You know what? It's funny though, because I, when, I, when I was at work earlier today, I was listening to this and then I was thinking to myself about an hour or two later, like, man, there's nothing from this album that, there's nothing from that album that's sticking out to me. But then I was like in the bathroom washing my hands and one, I don't remember, I, I don't remember it now, so I don't know what that says, but. I count myself in my head singing one of the lines from one of the songs. So there's just something sort of weird, just under the, yeah. like just one surface under about this album. That's sort of hard to pin down. Yeah. But I think that's maybe what he was going for. I, th- I really think so. I mean, even the cover, which oh, we talk about the covers, I was like, weird. what? I, did, I Google, I Google image and Googled it and looked up like, and like really huge images of it to see if I could get like a zoomed in look at it. But it's like him with a, like a mask, mask of some sort. And then it reminded like, me of the, and, and this is sort of apt given the style. It sort of reminded me, the whole album sort of reminded me of a Ty Seagal album a little bit. That's what like I, and I was trying m- to remember a much more calm. Because yeah. Ty Seagal is sort of like a in your face, like waving his hands around, going crazy kind of thing. And this is much more sort of laying on the beach, kind of just chilling, yeah, kind of deal. There, the, if anybody, if you want my. <laughs> What I thought the album cover looked like, the other al- uh, album cover that it reminded me was this old album from the 60s by um, Captain Beefheart and his magic band called Trout Mask Repl- Replica. Um, just look it up. <laughs> God, your music anthology is just crazy. Um, it just, everybody look up Captain Beefheart and his magic band Trout Mask Replica. I'll, I'll turn my computer on, Nate, so you can see this. But this was the the second I saw. No, let me let me look it up here. Magic. No, I got it right here. Oh, you have it up. The second I that saw that is oddly familiar to this, isn't it bizarre? Everybody just Google it, and that's the first thing I thought of. Just kind of with the same red background and the weird thing going on with the guy standing there. And if you've ever heard, if you ever want to have one of the most strange experiences of your life. Go ahead and listen to this album, Captain Beefheart and his magic band, Trout Mask Replica. It is the weirdest album I've ever heard in my whole life. Hmm. It's amazing. <laughs> Anyways, that was just an observation I had. Yeah. So what would you, if you had to rate this 1 to 10, what would you rate it? I kind of feel bad. I'm giving it a little bit lower than I was originally, but just thinking on it, I just don't know how often I'm going to go back to this thing. I'm going to give it a 6.5. Because I think it's 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 interesting, it's well done, and I don't necessarily think he was trying to write great songs here. This seems kind of like this fun little heady aside for Jim James to try out between My Morning Jacket albums. So, interesting album. I'm going to give it a 6.5. Yeah, I'll be at a 7.5. Nice. Good reaction. Um, I agree with you, though. There's really nothing that really stands out, but I think this was pretty experimental for him. Really, all things considered, now, maybe not like totally you know, off the wall, but well, you want to at least try some different things. It's funny because if if you've never listened to My Morning Jacket, their their music is a, generally tends to be a little bit more straightforward than this. Um, some of their earlier albums are even more almost like a southern rock kind of thing, hmm. kind of. Um, but their album Z, which is probably their most famous album, is the one that I would compare this particular record to closest because it's kind of the most kind of just floating around in space weirdness going on yeah but not too weird like you could like if you've never listened to wacky heady music before you'd probably like this yeah i think a lot of people would 
Enjoy yeah. it. Well, he's a popular musician. Yeah. Well, in my morning jacket's pretty, right. pretty big man. They sell out some some arenas. <laughs> All right, <laughs> on to our high priority news items. Uh, so, pop artiste Lord has been teasing fans with the potential release of her sophomore album for a very long time, in music terms. 2014 um, did that come out in? Yeah. Ugh. That's a long time in the music world. So is it coming soon? An article from Pitchfork. Could be. We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) That was your voice saying, I want a Lord album. I want a Lord album. No, um, I've honestly, I'm not huge into Lord, but, um, you know, I guess she's been teasing like on Twitter and crap. Here's here's my thing. If you have it recorded, just release it. Well. Rock, Rock and roll. Here you go. Nate's opinion. <laughs> well, I don't, well, I'm with you, but yeah. you know, she's one of those artists where, if anything, there would be even more of a buzz about it if she just tomorrow we went on Apple Music and the new Lord album Dropped was there. It. I wouldn't listen to it, yeah, because <laughs> I don't really care. But I mean, a lot of people love Lord, and they would be like, "Holy crap, this is crazy!" Well, she had like what two big monster hits. She had the one that I can remember, but I'm Royals. Sure. Royals. Royals. Mm-hmm. And I think there's maybe one other one that did pretty well, but I don't know. I don't know the words, but I know it goes, in the bathroom <laughs> You'll do that without a fuss, but when I ask you to hum the Star Wars thing, Hey, I hummed it. You did, after a fuss. Ugh. But um, yeah, we'll see if she releases it. I agree with you. If she, if she, My guess is she's probably just going to boop. Maybe there's nothing. She's just bullshitting everybody. It's like, uh, it'll probably be like the Pootie. Have you seen the movie Pootie Tang? No. And okay, you have to, that's a total lost reference then. <laughs> wow. Pootie Tang. Well, he thing. releases an album where he's like, he doesn't sing at all because he's so cool that he doesn't have to sing. So he just stands it's just, there? Uh, it's just an album of nothing. Beats or? Nothing. It's silent. It's just him like, you see him in the studio just <laughs> screaming and they're like, they're like listening on headphones. They're like, nothing's happening. He's like, he, he doesn't have to release an album with sound. I need to watch that movie again. I want to see it. It sounds funny. But um, the other thing that I was pretty surprised to hear was uh, Childish Gambino um, is coming on December 2nd is going to release an album. For those of you who are unfamiliar, Childish Gambino is one Donald Glover, um, soon to be in a Star Wars film. Oh, very Ugh. exciting. And he's also in a few other movies as well. But um, the rumors and evidence are dropping that they're uh, suggesting that the very popular... Uh, rapper Childish Gambino, um, he's going to have another studio album coming out called Awaken My Love. That's the word on the street anyway. Yeah. No one can deny that he was just a wonderfully gifted, gifted artist. Right. And um, his, his album, his last full-length album, because the internet is quite honestly one of my top ten albums of all time. Easy. I've, I've listened to it so many times and I never get sick of it. But um, I think this is in, uh, the main place all this rumor is coming from or like small record shops where they were apparently sort of dropped hints from his label that this album was coming and the one guy said well here he has let's see five bullet points describing this album and he said first bullet point 12 songs second bullet point concept album with creepy tribal vibe funk slash jazz hybrid minimal rapping and creatively different Hmm. So something tells me, and and I think we, if you've ever, if anybody's followed Childish Gambino's musical career, he uh, has been pretty open about 
rapping less, and I think his his the EP he released before uh, a couple of years Kauai, ago. Kawaii, right? Kawaii, yeah, yeah. yeah Kauai. That, that was more of a R and B type I love deal. That album. I love it too. Yeah. What's the first song in there called? Um, sober. Yeah, dude, I could listen. I'll never be sober. <laughs> so oh. it's so it's such a great song. Yeah, <laughs> no, but um, so th- I'm pumped, man. I mean, he's such a cool dude, and he can do everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Act, rap, sing. He's funny. Stand up comedy. He's, he's got. Comedy. He has some stand up specials on Netflix that are hilarious. I mean, he's hilarious. And I first was introduced to him back when I was in high school, before he was. Okay, that makes me sound like a mega hipster before he was cool. No, but he used to be on a... He had a YouTube comedy series called Derek Comedy, where it was him and two other guys. And when I was in high school, we would watch these videos over and over again. And much to my surprise, over the years, over a decade now, it's like, this dude's like this huge international star. I used to watch this dude do these stupid, stupid, stupid sketch routines on... Everybody just look up Derek Comedy, and you would be surprised with how many famous people came out of there, like uh, Ali Kemper, who was in The Office, and Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt came from there, from Derek Comedy. A couple of dudes on SNL were on some of their skits, because these guys were all college buddies, I guess. Hmm. But anyway, I'm sorry, tangent there. No, we were like gushing about Childish Gambino there. I think we both love... No, huge fans. Donald Glover, huge fans. Huge fans here in the basement. He's everything that Kanye West pretends to be. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) He really is. Kanye West, it's hard to compare them because it's very hard to compare anything to God. Get away from me. (laughs) Get out of here. All right. Um, But yeah, excited about that. So on to another segment we do every week, Obsessions. Ethan, what are you obsessed about right now? Well, I had just had a three-day weekend, which was nice, and I have one more day of work tomorrow, and then I have another three-day weekend, so I'm, like, obsessed with it getting through tomorrow, which is going to be awful and terrible and long and boring, but I'm going to see Band of Horses on Friday in Milwaukee, and I'm spending two nights up there with my wife. We're just going to chill. We got a hotel, so we're going to go to the concert, and then we kind of have our own thing, maybe do a brewery tour. It's going to be great. Lots of good breweries in Milwaukee. Can't wait, bruh. What do you... What are you? What are you fixated on? Fixated. Well, at the moment, um, college football because I'm going to the Badger game, Wisconsin Badgers this weekend. This weekend, nice. So they're rated number seven in the nation. Pride of Madison, my hometown. No, but I'm gonna go. I'll be in Madison all better weekend. Better than the Packers, right? Now. Way better than the Packers. <laughs> but um, the other thing is the office. I'm gonna be honest. Like I just, I watched probably like a season now. So There's good. There's 20 minute episodes. You can get through like. Ton of them. Once you get to like season four or five, they ha- that show was weird. They had like a whole season where the shows were an hour long apiece. Yeah, dude, I love The Office. NBC. But you've seen it before, right? Yeah, I've okay, been yeah. there at least a few times. Ugh, I love that show, man. Great. It is just it is it's makes you laugh, and even <sighs> even like though I've seen it so many times, I'm I still laugh. Makes you feel good. So yeah, the characters are great. Vibes. You know who my favorite character in The Office is? Creed. Mm. He's like kind of one of the weird background guys who yep. pops up from time to time. But my my all-time favorite moment in The Office is it's actually in one of the later seasons because a lot of people, like with most shows, the last couple seasons people say are worse. But there's one moment in one of the later seasons that is, to me, the best moment in Office history. And it's where, um, speaking of Ellie Kemper, where she I think she plays like their new like uh, receptionist, right? And And... There's an episode where they're talking about having, uh, it's like New Year's resolutions or something, and she's talking about how her New Year's resolution (laughs) 
is to do a... No, Creed is talking about how his whole life he wanted to do a cartwheel. How his whole life, his only dream is to do a cartwheel. And then sort of behind his back, they're all talking about doing cartwheels and stuff. And he kind of walks in and he's kind of grumpy. Then all of a sudden... <laughs> She runs in and does a perfect cartwheel, and she hasn't heard any of this conversation. And she's like, I did it. I did a perfect cartwheel. <laughs> and Creed is just like, mother f- fuck you. Yeah. He just like flips out, and she's looking at him like, what did I do? <laughs> oh, my God. I could watch that over and over again. It's yeah. so funny. Everyone has like little, I've noticed with that show, like little nuanced moments in the show that they like. And it's these little like usually three-second comedy bits like yeah. that. Or a lot of the the best, uh, I think, little bits come from Jim's pranks on Dwight, which is it's sort of an ongoing thing. Well, my pe- favorite, that's one of my favorites, is the Christmas wrap. Oh. Yeah, everyone <laughs> where knows. Where he wraps all of his stuff. Yeah. In, or how about the one where he um, hires his Asian friend to pretend he's Jim? <laughs> Remember that one? <laughs> where, uh. where all of a sudden this Asian guy walks in and he's like, oh, hey, Dwight, you're not Jim. What happened to Jim? And he's like, what are you, what are you talking about, Dwight? And then he, like, pulls a picture of uh, of supposedly Jim and Pam and their, like, baby at this point off his desk. And he's like, see, here's a picture of them. But they're smart enough that they actually replaced, the, <laughs> like, the picture with the Asian guy in it. And Dwight just looks at it horrified, like, oh, my God, what's happening? <laughs> just everybody Google Dwight Jim pranks. You can find compilations on YouTube of all of the glory. All the glory. The office, man. Great stuff. So good. Great stuff. All right, so that has been Weekly Neurosis Psychedelic, everybody. We hope you enjoyed it. As usual, we had fun. This is a great one. We needed this. We needed this. Next week is Hacksaw Ridge Mm -hmm. and Album TBD. Album TBD. And Beer. TBD. Something hope-related, because that's what we all need now. Uh, Some hope. All right. Pretty somber over there. Yeah. All right. So Weekly Neurosis. Once again, I'm Nate. I'm Ethan. And this has been the Psychedelic episode. Everyone, please take care.